Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today we have Nathan Sweeney on the show. He's the principal security consultant at Secure Ideas. And what that means is he does all the cool uh, pen testing, hacking, and even some physical security type evaluation. So a couple of things we talk about is how he works with internal auditors, because he does, which I was a little surprised to hear, but he works directly with some internal audit groups. Uh, What he actually does as a pen tester, what kind of organizations they typically work with, and then one thing that I was really interested in was just to hear all the other cool stories that he has about breaking into something. I won't, I won't ruin it. There's a, a couple of them that are really interesting. So stay tuned to hear those. A couple of links that we talked about. One is called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y. There's a link in the show notes for that. It's for two-factor authentication. The other is for LastPass. We've talked about LastPass before on the show, um, but that's one that Nathan and I both talk about and use and highly, highly recommend. Um, and Nathan actually uses LastPass and Authy kind of in conjunction. So you might want to check those out. If passwords are a pain, LastPass kind of takes care of that for you. Uh, and then lastly, if you want to connect with Nathan, there's a link to his LinkedIn account as well as his Twitter account in the show notes. All right, here we go. So this is the audit podcast. I know being uh, a pen tester and being in security, some folks might be listening going, why is Nathan even on this show? Exactly. Uh, so, so help me understand, help the audience understand, how do you work with audit? Because you do work directly with, with some audit folks. So kind of tell us about how that, how that works. Yeah, so th- there's a number of different ways. Uh, we, we've got, sometimes audit is responsible for pen testing, right? Like sometimes it's the audit department who's, they own the pen test. And so they bring us in um, and that can work out really well. It can work out not so well sometimes. Uh, other times we have, we've got several companies that uh, we will do what's called an, we call it an audit assist. I'm not sure what they call it internally. Uh, basically where, you know, the audit department has responsibility to validate certain things within the organization. And sometimes they just don't have the internal expertise to do that. Uh, you know, for instance, if, if they are auditing certain IT things, um, to some degree, they just have to say, here, give me this information and then trust that they're getting all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what happens with that, with an audit assist is we jump on, uh, either on a call or sometimes we go in person and sit with them at a table. And as they're interviewing, say the IT professionals, as they're talking to the security team, um, we're helping ask questions, you know, just helping to understand how do you do this? 
how do you do that? Well, wait, wait, you mentioned this over here. Well, what about this? Uh, you said you have this control, but if you're doing this, that control wouldn't apply. So what's, you know, we, we just try to, to facilitate some conversation. Um, and what we found is that often uh, we will help them discover areas of risk that nobody really thought about. You know, IT isn't trying to hide stuff necessarily. They're not trying to be malicious. They just never thought about, oh yeah, well, you know, our corporate decisions were made based on this assumption, but that's no longer the case anymore. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Okay. And so, and so you are a pen tester for those. Yeah, who know, uh, what does that mean? What do you actually do? We are security consultants. Um, I, I've got a friend that calls me a consultant saying we'll do anything <laughs> for money. Not quite true. Um, <laughs> we do like to draw the line, right? We know what we're good at and what we're not good at. So uh, we're, we're fortunately we're successful enough. We can say no to stuff that we're not, you know, we don't want to do, or we're not good at. Uh, but as a consultant, you know, our, our job is to basically, be a an extension of an organization security team to help them have the expertise they need to accomplish whatever it is they're trying to accomplish uh, our, our focus is from a more from a red team perspective if you're not familiar with the red team blue team concept of you know blue team is more defensive red team is more offensive not offensive i am offensive my wife says that sometimes <laughs> but uh you know our, our goal is to come at it with the mindset of a hacker and think through like you know hey what what is an attacker going to do in this situation? What, what are areas where, um, you know, in, in general, businesses build things to work. They don't think about all of the possible ways that it could break. They try, but it's just a different mindset. And so that's, that's where we come at, at things and saying, okay, you've spent all this money on these solutions, on these security controls, on whatever. Let us, let us help you figure out where maybe they're not working the way you think they are or, you know, what, what could fail. Yeah. And so you, I think what's interesting, and I've talked to some other folks in security about pen testers and specifically about you, Nathan. And I was like, he used the word controls like the whole time we talked and I was very surprised. <laughs> and they said, yeah, you, you guys have like a very good understanding of what controls are, what risks are. And then one of the things that just made me go, I think Nathan's actually an auditor. <laughs> oh gosh. I, I feel said, insulted. <laughs> when I asked, oh, just kidding. <laughs> I asked, what do you do? Um, and he said, you help the business. Yeah. Which is what we say all the time in audit. Like we're here to help. And then people are always like, no, you're not. You're here to get on to us. And you get that same feeling like oh, you're absolutely. Here to hack us and tell us where all our issues are and make us look bad. You get that same uh, yeah. from folks. Yeah. And a lot of that is, is tradition. A lot of it is Hollywood, you know, views of, of what a hacker is, what a pen tester is. Um, you, you know, at the end of the day, the, the organization is spending money to make something happen. Right. It might be to, let's say endpoint uh, um, security, right? Whether it's antivirus or some type of endpoint detection response, like that is a tool that is not designed to prevent a certain type of attack. Uh, our job is to simulate that attack and see if the tool works. Is it really doing what you think it's doing? It's not that much different than audit, really. It, it's yeah. a little bit more technical, um, usually. Yeah. Um, and, and for the most part, an audit uh, most auditors says, say, okay, we've got a list of stuff. We're going to go through and validate all this stuff. The mindset we come at it with is we want to test everything that's not on that list, mm -hmm. right? So it's sort of a blacklist versus a whitelist mentality of we're not going against everything that, you know, let's make sure we do this stuff. We're saying, okay, what about all the stuff you didn't think of? Let's think of every other possible scenario and, and figure out. But, but at the end of the day, the goal is to say, is the, is the organization protected from risk? are the controls they've implemented working the way they think they are. And you know, what can we find that's, you know, missing the gap? Yeah. And it's very similar. And I'll speak for the folks that listen to the show because if there's this 
not debate, but there is this old school mentality amongst some people of the, the check the box uh, auditor mm-hmm. or checklist auditor of, of yep. what you're saying. Okay, check, 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 and so on. Um, and that's kind of the old school way of thinking. I pretty confidently can say if there is someone or for the people that are listening to this, they're probably on the more innovative side. Like they care sure. about what their, you know, their job, and their profession, and they aren't the, the checklist auditors, you know, but they are certainly out there. Um, like you mentioned. Yeah. And, and I'll add to that, you know, like a lot of times it has this and not just it, but that's the, the section of the organization that I tend to deal with. They have this mentality that, you know what, we know what we're doing. Audit's just here to check up on us and, and slap us on the wrist if we, if we fail or, you know, find the places we didn't do things quite right. But they don't really understand, right? Like if we make an exception to a rule or if we don't do it this certain way, we're just trying to get our job done. We're trying to make the business work right. And they need to stay back. And that adversarial mindset, um, that, that's problematic because at the end of the day, we're all here for the same goal, right? We all want to make the business more successful uh, you know, we want to make things work. Um, I like to say, you know, with, with our testing, whether it's, you know, something that we're working with with audit or whether we're just working with the security department or, or IT in general, um, our goal is for it to be an educational opportunity, like for everybody involved. I, I hate the tests where they say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to have you come in and we're not going to tell anybody. We want you to be quiet and try to see if you can sneak through um, and, and see if you can, you know, catch us off guard or whatnot there's a very small percentage of organizations that are ready for that type of testing. I mean, very small, like a handful, the vast majority, that's just a very inefficient and ineffective test because we're not testing specific controls. Yeah. We're, we're testing to see if anybody happens to miss anything today. And the likelihood of that is really small, but the likelihood of it happening eventually is pretty high. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's like spam. I, I, if, if I have to send you a, a spam, a phishing attack and try to get it through, I've got one chance or maybe two or three, like I can send a couple and my, the likelihood of being successful is very small, but if I'm an attacker and I can send a million of them every second, you know, because it's trivial, I only have to have like a 0.005%. I'm making up a number, you know, I can have a really, really low success rate and still be successful. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, like if, if we're going to do a test, let's find a way to make it effective for everybody and let people learn about, you know, Hey, Hey, this is interesting. You know, I see this thing going on in my logs. Um, I should t- tack that away because the next time I, I might see that type of thing might be an actual attack. And then I'll remember, oh yeah, that pen test, I, I'm seeing something else going on. We, maybe this is something I need to follow up on. So there's a lot of similarities between what you do and, and what we do in audit. What is, like, what's a typical audit organization or a typical organization that has internal audit that you guys typically work with? Uh, like what, what kind of organization? Yeah. I, they tend to be larger, um, financial services, insurance, energy, stuff like that. Um, usually the audit departments that we work with are fairly large and they just don't like, they know what they don't know. They're big enough to know. I don't have people that are experts in this field. And so they bring us on to assist. Um, but we work with some smaller ones too. It, it, one of the things that I, I think kind of one of the things that differentiates us is, we, all of our consultants have business experience. You know, we used to say we've all carried a pager on our, on our belt. We don't do that anymore because you know, the younger guys haven't carried a pager. Um, But you know what, we know what it means when something goes down at 3am and it causes a business outage issue. And so we understand the business requirements and, and the necessities and stuff enough 
that that we can have conversations about, okay, you know, yes, there's this issue, but here's why we have to do this, right? Like, like some, some security guys, they'll say, no, you can't do that. No way. Absolutely not. That's not allowed. That's not practical. Sometimes the business says, you know what, we've got to get this thing done. This is what has to happen. So what's a way that we can keep that safe or how can we minimize risk and still accomplish this business objective? Uh, that's, that's where we kind of bring, um, I don't know. That, that's where we specialize. And so yeah. some of the audit departments, you know, they come at us and we're like, Hey, we've got this thing going on. Um, we need help figuring out how do we, how do we share this message of this, this risk, this vulnerability, this problem with the organization as a whole. And we can kind of be that middleman because we can speak to both worlds. We can speak to the security team and the IT folks. We can speak to audit. We can, you know, go before the executives and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a nice, the, the business aspect. And then I, I thought just interesting, something I just picked up on, you refer to it as a vulnerability and we probably refer to it as a risk, but it's the same, same thing, right? Um, they're very similar. So a vulnerability is a thing that causes a risk. Yeah. So a risk is, uh, in, in our world, and I guess maybe correct me if, if you look at it differently, in our world, a vulnerability would be, um, this go back to the endpoint security I talked about before this antivirus system can be bypassed. Mm -hmm. Here's a, here's a vulnerability in it. It hasn't been patched. It's poorly configured something. There's a way for me to bypass that control. The risk is what an attacker can do with that. Uh, so the way I would convey this to like an executive, if, if I put in my executive summary, we did this and this, and we got domain admin access, a technical person is going to know what that is. A CEO might not, yeah. but if I share that the actual, the, the vulnerability is we, we exploited this thing and we got domain admin access. The risk to you is I was able to read your email and gain access to these sensitive uh, acquisition details that are top secret that nobody knows about. Yeah. That puts dollar signs in their head and they can say, okay, I, I get that now. I understand that. To me, a risk is, is more correlated to the impact. The risk is the bad thing that could happen. Yeah. The vulnerability is the thing that allows that to happen. Yeah. So uh, here's a here's a good example story. Um, this was just a few months ago. So we were doing some. Occasionally we do physical testing where we actually try to break into a facility and, and stuff like that. Uh, we were doing testing for a bank, and there's a because of the way that the facility was set up, and there was a, a, an opportunity. We were able to walk in a door, go straight up. And, uh, there was an elevator or stairs, go up to another floor. And there was nothing to stop us, right? Other than just assuming that people wouldn't do it. We were able to walk into a door. Uh, the, we actually got into the CEO's office uh, and, and walked out with his desktop computer. Nice. Um, and, and literally just picked up a desktop computer, put it in a bag, walked right back out. And we called our contact from the car and said, what now? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, there was, there was conversation all the, obviously beforehand about what are the rules of engagement and scope and whatnot. But in that story, the vulnerability is the layout of the organization mm -hmm. of the of the facility that allowed us to do that. There was no key that was acquired. There was no there was nothing to stop us. There was no guard standing there. Um, that was the vulnerability. The risk is we're sitting in our car with the CEO's desktop computer. Yeah. Like that's a you know th that's kind of how we look at the two. Yeah, no, it makes sense of sense. Um, which kind of leads us to the next thing, which is what I really want to talk about. And I might just sit down and let you go for a while. Uh, your favorite war stories, um, stories like that, like that is fascinating to me. That that's, <laughs> and, I th and I think what's interesting is maybe that that's what people think that all the job is for you yeah, is like, yeah. oh, I just sit, you know, in a hack, and then I go steal CEOs' laptops. 
I know that there's also documentation that goes along, sure. you know, with that. But um, so let's leave that part out. I don't think you want to hear about the documentation <laughs> part. Right. Uh, we're familiar with that in audit. But uh, similarly to that story, do you have like a, a couple of favorite stories of, that you're allowed to double sure. to the extent you can, obviously, with the sensitivity of the, the information? But is there any other stories like that that you could share? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, we this job, everybody's like you said, everybody's like, oh, this is amazing. It sounds so much fun. I'm like, it is like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some amazing adrenaline pumping situations that are so exciting. And then, like you said, you've got 90% of the time writing reports and, yeah. and, and, and to be honest, that's the valuable part of it because, you know, you might spend $30,000 on an assessment for us to come hack your organization. And after a couple of weeks, all you have left is this report, right? Mm-hmm. So that report needs to be really good, yeah. right? Like it needs to get the job, the point across. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've had, oh man, there was, a. Uh, there was a, uh, this was for another audit department. They brought us in, they were doing an audit of their security operations center. We call that a SOC. I know in the audit world, SOC means something else, something else, but uh, the security operations center, you know, they had us come in and um, the audit department was reviewing their processes and procedures and how do they respond to alerts and are there weaknesses where, you know, could could a bad guy pull something off without being detected, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, This was a large energy company, um, I, I'm, I think 20, 30,000 employees. So, so pretty big. Yeah. Um, so we're in their sock conversing with people at the same time, we had personnel at another facility in another state that the systems were being monitored, you know, on, they've got the big monitors with all the logs and whatnot. And so we've got people that are like plugging stuff into the network. They're like taking over computers and it's all in, in coordination with the audit department. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, it's, it's all planned out and prepared. And hey, we're going to, you know, at 9.15 a.m., we're going to launch this attack and then see what happens. And that was really neat to kind of watch and see like live, you know, you almost feel bad because people start freaking out when they yeah. see stuff happen. You know, yeah. we're under attack. Oh my gosh, this is bad. Um, but watching <laughs> that process, you know, it, it's kind of cool to see. Um, man, we had a, there was a, we were doing a PCI test for an organization, a, a large clothing store. And uh I, I, this is gosh, eight or nine years ago. I hadn't been on the job very long. Um, and I, I got access to an FTP server and I copied some files over and I'm scrolling through there. And, and I didn't realize I, I come across 16 digit number comma. And then another number looked like a dollar value, you know, something, something, something point something. Uh-huh. And I mean, 16 digit number, I'm thinking credit card, right? Like score. This is a PCI test, got credit card data. Woohoo. Right but there wasn't all the other PCI data that you would assume with it. And that's when it hit me, this could be gift card data. Mm. So I went to their website and there was no pin number. It was just a, it was just a, a, a number. All you had to have is the number. So I went to their website, typed in one of the numbers and sure enough, the, the balance matched what was in this file. And this file was huge. I don't remember what, it was like $3 million worth of gift cards <laughs> that had no authentication. Like I could be dressed really nice right now <laughs> and nobody would know, right? Like that was, Woo, that was exciting. Yeah. There's, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, the, uh, I think it was 2019. It was August, 2019 hit the news. And this was not us. We were not directly related, but, uh, capital one got compromised, um, by an attacker on their AWS system. And what happened in, in, in hindsight, what they found out was that, you know, like most organizations, capital one started rolling stuff out to the cloud and, and putting stuff in, in AWS. And the problem is they didn't know what they didn't know. Like there were, there were, there were some new options, maybe it's not quite the right word, new functionality that are built into AWS instances uh-huh. that are not traditionally part of a normal server. 
And one of those is, is a, a, a service that's running locally that allows you to query it for information and gather, gather access to, to more than you should. Well, an attacker knew this and, and they found one vulnerability that they were able to exploit and, and make calls on a server. I'm not gonna go into the technical details, but they used that to then pivot and get further access into the organization and actually steal data. Um, what, the reason that I bring this up, the reason it's interesting is, you know, obviously with, with something like that, there's a huge investigation and, and uh, all the, the governing bodies come in and check and say, you know, okay, where did you fail? What was the problem? And one of the issues that one of the major things they uh, leveraged to find against Capital One for was they said, your audit department didn't know what they didn't know. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the policies and, and procedures in place to identify the, the areas that you don't have expertise. And so when IT started using a system that they weren't familiar with, there was no process in place to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How do we know that we're doing this properly? Um, you know, if you had done any kind of, or not you, if they had done any kind of, you know, security assessment where they looked at this solution and said, hey, what do we need to make sure we're doing correctly? Somebody probably would have caught that. Um, but, you know, that's what they were fined for. What What's the... I hate asking the question of anybody, like, what's the first step in whatever? I mean, I do it because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's great, but sure. Um, hey, we're internal audit and we don't even have like an IT auditor, you know, like what should they do? What do they just call you? I mean, what, what, what should they do if they don't have even yeah. that level of, uh, of expertise? So my, my first recommendation um, before you hire a third party mm-hmm. is you need to talk about it internally. You need to have the, you need to get all the stakeholders in a room, right? Hopefully you've got the corporate atmosphere and environment to have those types of conversations, but, but you just need to have real open conversations about where are potential risks? What do we know? What do we don't, what do we not know? Um, and you know, what do we need to do to address those risks? And, and sometimes that means bringing in a third party. Sometimes it means finding somebody like us that can come sit down with you and say, here's, here's what you need. Other times, maybe they have the assets internally to help with some of that, but you know, some corporate relationship or so-and-so answers to this person instead of that department, you know, it creates some issues there. And so, you know, at a very high level, the organization needs to be able to look down and say, okay, how are we making sure, not just that we're, we're fixing the things we know about, but how are we making sure that we're not missing things? Um, if they bring in somebody like us, normally what the way our conversation would start is tell us what you're trying to do. You know, like, like, we don't, we're not one of those companies that just says, you know, here's our four products, pick one of these products and, you know, it's a blanket, you get the service. Um, we like to really talk with folks and say, okay, what is it you're trying to do? What are your goals? And then what, what can we provide value? You know, how can we provide value to make that better? Are there, uh, is it just, a lot of times our uh, audit assists, a lot of times what that looks like is two or three days of phone calls with the audit department and whoever they're auditing, whatever department. Mm-hmm. And we just ask questions. Tell us what you do. What technologies do you do or do you use? Uh, who's responsible for uh, managing authentication? Who's responsible for you know, this? Who's responsible for making, pat- making sure patches get done? Um, and, and what we find is that over time, as they describe the process to us, we just dive deeper and start asking follow-up questions. And then, you know, a lot of times we find out, hey, you're doing a really good job, but here's an area where maybe this can be improved. Or other times, uh, we, we did this for, a, a, it was another power company, um, a gas company actually, um, you know, natural gas. Um, they had a situation where we were conversing with um, 
the, the we were out, all sitting around a table with the audit department and some of their folks, and they had a list of inventory, like how they manage their inventory and devices and all this. And it was kind of tedious paperwork, but we were looking through here and we said, wait a minute, there's this one device here that's listed and it doesn't have any patch date for the last couple of years. Like what, what's up with that? And they're like, I, I don't know. They didn't know anything about it. And so we're like, well, where is that? Well, that's over in the server room in this facility. Okay. Can we go look at it? And they looked at audit and audit looked at them. And they're like, I, nobody's ever asked that. I don't know. And I'm like, well, I'm asking, can we go look at it? Sure. And, and so we walk in there, turns out this device had been deprecated and was supposed to have been replaced like three years ago, but then somebody got terminated and somebody else left for vacation and didn't come back. And so this device ha allowed a secondary network into their like sensitive SCADA network. And they didn't even know it was there. It was still running and it's supposed to have been shut off several years ago, but it, it just comes from asking questions that nobody else thought to ask, you know? Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Uh, well, I've got another question for you. How does somebody get into what you're doing? I don't know how many auditors are really like going to, but it's certainly fascinating, sure. especially the stories that you tell and even thinking about what, what could be possible or like hacking a CEO's laptop or just straight up stealing it like you did. Yeah. Um, but like, what is there a formal educational path to do it? Or is it just like, ah, you know what? I like to like code and uh, try to break things. And I mean, what is the, somebody wants to do what you're doing, how do they do it? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and, and we get that a lot. It's really hard and there's not, I, I don't wanna say it's hard to do. I, I'm saying it's hard to say, here's the path. Yep. Um, every, every pen tester I know has found a different path to get where they're at, right? Um, I actually got into it via PCI. And, and honestly, I could have probably gone down the audit route, but I went down the, the tester route instead. Um, I was working for a company that dealing with financial services and point of sale and that sort of thing. And when PCI first started to become a thing, early 2000s, nobody else wanted to deal with uh, the security stuff, PCI and implementing that and all that. Uh, I think it was around 2005 when I'm like, hey, this is my, my jam. I love this, right? Like I'm... And um, the company that I was at, we were trying to find ways to one, protect our customers, but two, how, you know, how can we, this is gonna cost us money. How can we recoup some of that? And so we started looking at services we can offer and things we can do to kind of uh, assist our customers. And that's, that's kind of the route I ended up, um, just kind of moved into pen testing. Um, mo the, the best pen testers, like when we're hiring people are people that are experts at a particular field of IT. Like they need to know the underlying technology. They need to know, you know, we've got guys that are amazing networking people and they've, they've had a long career in networking and they're really good and they know the details of, of how that works. Other guys are developers and they've been, you know, senior level developers and they're awesome. Um, if they understand the technology, it's easy to move into saying, okay, what are potential, what could a bad guy do with this technology, right? Let me put on my black hat and let me think like an attacker, what can I do here? Um, auditors, in my experience, auditors tend to have a hard time doing that because 
the processes you learn, the, 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 the stuff you learn, like you talked about the old school audit process, um, that doesn't map very well to the type to, to be in a pen test or, or that type of testing. I think there are, I don't know the best term, newer type of auditors. There's, there's a newer generation of folks that are yeah, recognizing, you know, hey, th there's more that has to be done here. Like we need to look at the organization as a whole. Uh, we need to consider things from different perspectives. Um, I think some of those folks maybe can, can kind of bridge that gap. Um, you, you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to throw it out there. I think pen testing as we're doing now, I think it's going to go away to some degree. How's that? Um, so your job is going away? I, I think so. Not completely, right? Yeah. Like, like right now, we're at a point where, um, you know, every every little Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know, business down the street adds and and security services to the end of their name, right? And they start offering security solutions, right? So, you know, you got Bob's Bait and Tackle and security <laughs> services. Uh, the, and 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 what it means is like, hey, I can, you know, how hard is it to test something? I can do that. Um, so what ends up happening is you've got a lot of low quality testers out there. What they really mean is I ran a vulnerability scan and I printed out a 347 page report and put my name on the front of it. And that's a pen test. They bought a tool, um, hooked it up and said, go. Exactly. And, and honestly, that needs to go away, but it doesn't need to go away. What happens is that needs to be rolled into normal business operations, either via audit or QA quality assurance folks are very similar to audit in that, um, you know, they have a, a list of functional requirements and they say, okay, before this application can be pushed to prod, we need to go through and check and make sure all this stuff works and everything works like it's supposed to. A lot of that automated process of pen testing can be rolled into either audit or QA or both in, in some form. Um, I, I'll be honest, I hate, we've got customers where we come in and we do a test every year and it's the exact same stuff from last year because they didn't fix anything. <laughs> You know, their compliance requirements require them to do a test every year. It does not require them to fix anything, yeah. which is stupid. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I love it when, you know, we've got other customers that we find something and two weeks later they say, hey, can you retest this? I fixed it. Nice. You know, it is nice. And after a year or so, it's like, hey, you're doing awesome, right? Like it doesn't cost as much to do tests because the scope is narrower because they're doing a better job. Um, so anyway, I, I, I think in five to 10 years, we're going to get to a point where there's fewer pen testing companies and they're doing the deeper dive stuff. Like, you know, Hey, we're not going to come spend three or four days doing automated stuff that you could do yourself. We're going to spend a lot longer time and really dive into how these technologies play together. Um, you know, find, find gaps in processes and people as much as, you know, the technology. What do you mean find gaps in processes and people? Like what would be an example you're talking about? Yeah. So, um, here, here's a here's another war story. So we were doing testing for a large government agency, actually one of the largest government agencies. Um, we got initial access into their network, um, pivoting around, looking for stuff. And we got access to an IT person's uh, email. Like they, they didn't have significant privileges. They weren't an admin or anything, but um, we got access to their email. And we're looking and we see the types of automated emails they get. And one of them was from the HR company. I can't remember who it was. They use a third party to manage time off and uh -huh. not payroll, but you know, cause uh, some of that government stuff is, is other government agencies. But we found one of those emails and we're like, all right, here's a, a, an email that everybody's used to getting and they're used to clicking on the link and logging in and stuff like that. So we set up a fish and we sent that out to, I don't remember, let's say a hundred 
other IT folks. It was probably more than that, but we sent it out to a bunch of folks and said, you know, Hey, this was, it was like October, I think is when this test happened. So we sent this out and said, Hey, there's been some changes to our time off policy for the holidays. This issue's come up. We need you to log in and validate your request or else you may not get time off. Um, some people caught it, but the majority didn't. A lot of people logged in, they gave us their credentials. What we did is we just set up another site that looked exactly like the login page. Once you logged in, then it redirects you back to the original login page. Mm -hmm. And most people didn't catch the quick redirect, right? That's just a process thing of people not paying enough attention, clicking a link, typing in their password. But then what we found is, I think it was about 15 people. and, And this is, like I said, this is a large government agency. 15 people use the same password for this third party site as they use for their domain account. And so once we had those, we just, after we got all those passwords, we started testing them and we found those. And then of that, I think three or four of them had privileged access. We were able to get domain admin access because of those two failures of reusing passwords and clicking a link and providing the credentials to a third party. This is a good opportunity for me. This is, I talk about this uh, product. Any, like anytime there's a small window for me to talk about it, I bring it up. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on it and maybe I'm sure there's others that do it, but Mm -hmm. um, LastPass. I love LastPass. I love LastPass and not just because of like the security and you know, all that. And so real quick, I'll, I'll explain it. It's um, a browser extension. You go to a new website, you have to create uh, a password, a username, all that. Uh, It creates the password for you and you can make it, I think it's up to like maybe even 50 characters or something like just absurd number, random (laughs) characters, numbers, all that kind of stuff. And like, it's great, obviously for the security. I mean, like the smallest app that has zero, like I don't even have a credit card tied to it has like a 15 character ridiculous password to it. Yep. And I don't even necessarily care. And I'll just be honest with you. This is probably way most people feel about it, about the security side of it. Like that's a bonus to me, like that it does create a secure, unique password that's crazy complicated, but it's so simple to use. And I'd never, I have to remember one password it's that master password to log in to LastPass, and then that's it. And then everywhere I go, I have them with me. I don't have to keep. I don't have a uh, sticky note of passwords or anything like that. But I do want to get your thoughts on. Well, I got them. I guess you said you love that product, <laughs> but like anything yeah. else you want to add to that? Yeah. So I I know two passwords. I, I have the password to log into my computer, mm-hmm. which is like twenty five characters or so. It's right. a phrase. I, for stuff like that, I use a phrase. I don't use a password. I can type an entire sentence of full words with spaces and punctuation. And I can type it really fast because that's how we normally type stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I, I the, similar, I have a separate fa- phrase that I use for LastPass. Um, every other password I have is 20 to 30 characters long, completely random and completely unique. So if I'm on my phone, it the, the app on my phone auto fills it in for me. If I'm on my computer, it auto fills it in for me. Um, that my wife had a situation where she got notified. We're, we, you know, we put the kids in bed, we're sitting down one evening and she gets a notification that somebody logged into her Facebook account from a different mm-hmm. IP. And she's like, what does this mean? I'm like, somebody logged into your Facebook account. She's like, how could that happen? I'm like, well, you have two factor auth installed, right? No. Well, okay. Well, you need to change your password. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you don't use that password anywhere else. Do you? And she's like, oh yeah, I have that password everywhere. <laughs> like, Guess what you're doing tonight. Right. <laughs> so she spent like the next three hours changing her password at, well, first, first we got LastPass installed <laughs> and then she spent the next three hours changing her password everywhere so that they're unique in, in everywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent. Everybody should use it. Um, the, 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 the one caveat, two caveats, and, and these are really small. Um, there technically is, 
nothing's perfect. Let me say that, right? There are attack scenarios that somebody could come up with, but they are so small. And unless you're dealing with like nation state adversaries, if you are, then you need to talk to your IT folks and say, hey, what do you recommend? And they probably already have a better solution. Yeah. But otherwise, LastPass is great. I recommend it to everybody. Um, the, the other caveat is LastPass offers the ability to do two-factor authentication for you. Hmm. They've got the ability to pop up and give you that little code so you don't have to have your phone. The problem I have with that is now on your computer, you've got one tool that's providing you the password and the two-factor auth token. You've right. now essentially combined that into one factor of authentication and defeated the point of, of two-factor auth or multi-factor auth. Yeah. So I strongly recommend a separate tool for that. I, I like um, Authy, A-U-T-H-Y. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alternative to, um, to like Google Authenticator mm -hmm. that you can put on your phone. Um, it works really well. There's others out there. Authy is just, one of the advantages to Authy is it can actually store your stuff encrypted in the cloud with a username and password so that if I lose my phone, I don't have to reset up all of my two-factor auth stuff, which is a huge nuisance. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, okay, uh, password nice. management app and two-factor auth on everything. That's nice. Yeah, I didn't know about Authy. I'll have to look into that. Um, I don't have to log into my LastPass very often. I don't know yeah. what triggers it to make me re like to log in. I feel like for sure if my laptop resets, mm -hmm. then I have to, uh, at least in the browser, but then I guess I don't really shut it down that often. So anyway, all that to say, I rarely have to use that password. Yeah. And if you travel a lot, I, I notice I have to change it when I, when I quickly move from like one location to another location, mm -hmm. they've got identification to say, hey, wait, you're, you're authenticating from somewhere that you haven't been before or you were in Dallas three hours ago and now you're in DC. I think it, I think it does that. And cause I get prompted more when I travel of having to re-authenticate. That makes sense. There's something that, that happened within the past week because it was like Friday. I think I had to do it. There was, I can't remember what the scenario was. Was it yesterday? It was yesterday. I had to do something for work and like I had to get it done or really wanted to get it done. And the last pass came up and I was like, ah, we don't, you know, you got to log back in. And so like, I tried it, didn't work. And I was like, okay, clearly just a typo. Tried it, didn't work. And then I was like, there's always that one letter that I either capitalize <laughs> or I don't cap. And it's a, it's a phrase, you know, yeah. but I was like, I don't know if I start the sentence lowercase already or uppercase. And anyway, I thought it, I thought it was going to be like, dude, you're locked out. And I don't know yeah. what the process is for getting that unlocked, but I, I don't think it's uh, as it's easy, easy as just putting an email in. Yeah. So if you, we, we have LastPass for our organization. Uh -huh. And so if that happens to me, I can actually call one of our admins and say, Hey, can you go? I'm an idiot. Please reset my password. Uh, I'm not an idiot. I'm getting old, right? Let me blame it on, on age. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, the, the other thing that I do, and this is a good recommendation for anybody that's got critical stuff like that. Um, actually physically write that stuff down mm -hmm. and store it somewhere secure. Yeah. You know, like, like I've got a safe at home where we keep our important documents. I've got my you know, multi-factor backup codes and, you know, emergency passwords and stuff like that. And so worst case, if I'm somewhere and I can't get access to something, I can call my wife and say, Hey, can you go open the safe and get this thing out and read me this, this code? Yeah. Or I can personally go there, stuff like that. That's always good to have backups. And not to go on just a last pass rant, but I think about, you know, especially like with, um, I mean, you've got four kids, um, yeah. but just the one kid, like, um, Actually, I had a friend of mine that passed away a few years ago and his dad called me and was like, do you know any of his passwords, like any of his stuff? Because I like I think I had his LinkedIn account, and like some 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 other stuff. 
Yeah. Um, and he's like, we're trying to, you know, finances and like trying to get all this stuff, like figure it out. I don't know. I don't know how people deal with that otherwise, but like, um, I'm going to make a note, like as soon as we get done, I'm going to write it down and just give it to my wife. You put it somewhere, you know, it's always going to be. Um, and that way, if something were to happen, like you can get into literally everything, um, through that, but yeah, that's a good idea. I might buy a safe, honest to God, just to put that password in there. Yeah. Um, Dave Ramsey, this is getting a little bit off topic, but Dave Ramsey, uh, he, he does like consumer, um, credit stuff. Um, he has a thing he calls, he calls it the love drawer. And I feel like that name's a little awkward. I probably would not have named <laughs> it, it the love drawer. Yeah. I don't <laughs> but, <wanna> uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, basically what it is, is he says he has a drawer and his wife knows if anything happens to him, this drawer has everything. It's got a copy of his will or their will. It's got a copy, you know, the, the deed to the house, their vehicle uh, registration stuff, all of the critical passwords. He's got a USB drive with stuff. And he just, on a regular basis, he makes sure that's all updated. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, me too. One, one of the things with LastPass is you can actually share uh, passwords and credentials with other people. Hmm. So my, my wife has a LastPass account and I have one and we have a shared folder. And so any of our accounts that we both need to access, uh, yeah, it's in that folder. All right. So there was not, all, I mean, personally, there was takeaways from this conversation that I'm literally going to go uh, do as soon as we get done with this conversation. Uh, so I appreciate that very much, Nathan. Is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with? No, it's been, it's been a, uh, an honor to be on. I'm glad you had me. Um, the folks can reach out to me if they have questions or just want to tell me how stupid I am or they, <laughs> you know, they know I'm wrong for something or whatever. It's just Nathan at secureideas.com. Uh, our, our website obviously is secureideas.com. Uh, I, w- I will add, we do, we do a lot of regular webinars and stuff. We really try to focus on giving back to the community. Um, we've got a short URL, it's tiny.si slash webinars. And so you can go there and, uh, we, we've got a webinar coming up on, uh, September 9th of this year, uh, auditing active directory with automation. Uh, Julio Torado, a good friend of mine is going to be on with us. He's not a a secure ideas guy. He's, uh, works for a a local bank and uh, he and I have been on the board of uh, ISSA together. So, uh, he's, he's bringing the audit side and then we've got one of our active directory guys who's a pro there. And so they're going to talk about, you know, how can auditors, um, you know, what types of things should you be looking for? Uh, what types of things, uh, you know, maybe that you haven't thought of, or how can you simplify some of this process and, and do a better job of assessing risk and stuff like that. But um, I'm also, I'm at Sweeney on Twitter. If folks want to tweet me or whatever, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been great. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again. All right. Appreciate it. And Julio has been on the show. We've had him on a couple different uh, episodes and, and some other things that I've been involved with. So listeners should be with, familiar with Julio and what he brings to the table. He is uh, a stud for sure um, amongst us auditors. And I'm glad that like you guys are partnering together. I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm, I'll, I don't know what the schedule looks like, but I'm going to at least sign up for the webinar and check it out. So anyway, Nathan, thanks a ton for coming on. It's great talking to you. Thanks, Trent. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.